Hello. Welcome to Caught in Between the Strings. I am Sawyer, and um, today I'll be reviewing the Velisca House murders. Um, this information is from what I've researched. I might not have all of it, so if you know anything else, or if you think I left something out, please leave it where you can. I think there's comments, or um, I'm pretty sure you'll figure it out. But uh, if I missed anything that you thought was really, really crucial to this, please contact me somehow, and I will try to leave it in, or I will consider it. Okay, let's start. So, 1912, uh, Velisca, Iowa. And I think I'm going to pronounce that wrong this whole time. Velisca, Iowa. Um, Joshua Moore, Sarah Montgomery Moore, married in December uh, December 6th, 1899. They had um, four kids. Um, Herman, who was 11 years old. Catherine, 10. And then Boyd and Paul, who were 7 and 6 at the time of the murders. The night of 1912, uh, I forgot to write down the date, but 1912, um, they were all asleep. Joshua Moore, Sarah Moore, and the kids. And this night, um, I think it was Catherine who had the Stindler sisters at the house for a sleepover. It was Luna and I don't know how to pronounce the other one. Ina, who was eight, and Lena, who was 12. Um, they were staying the night because they were friends, and that's what friends do, of the Moors. They were friends of the Moors. And this night, someone came in, middle of the night. No one, knew, no one really knows who this is. They have, like, suspicions, but no one knows who's, who it really is. Um, came into the house and killed them all. And so I th- they went through... The father and mother first, uh, Mr. Moore, Mrs. Moore first, hit them a- across the head with the bludgeon, the back end of the axe. Um, so I don't know why he or she, the murderer, did that, but um, so be it. Um, hit them both in the back of the head, killed them, axe. And um, first I think it was Joshua Moore, then Sarah Moore. And then he went down, he or she went down to the kids' rooms, killed Herman, and then killed Catherine, and then proceeded to go and kill the, um, the sisters and Boyd and Paul. Um, then the children, and maybe the parents, I didn't really couldn't find a lot of information on that, were stabbed about 37 times roughly, Maybe more, maybe less. Again, couldn't find a lot of information on that. Um, they got stabbed, and I, I'm guessing the murderer wanted to make sure they were killed. Um, so with that, um, when detectives came later that morning, actually, before detectives came, sorry, jumping ahead of myself, before the detectives came, um, their neighbor, the Moore's neighbor, came to 
it was like 7 a.m. She noticed the house wasn't feeling quite right, like it was oddly still. And so she went and knocked on the Moore's door. And um, there was no answer. It was oddly still, oddly quiet. So she decided to call the local cops. Um, they took a while to show up. And once they did, uh, they knocked on the door. Um, that kind of stuff started happening. And they walked in. They noticed it was oddly still. All the windows were, all the windows' curtains were shut except for the ones that didn't have curtains. And if they did not have curtains, I'm pretty sure blankets or sheets got put up over the windows. Um, the door was oddly locked, I'm pretty sure, so that was a hard one to get into. But they got in, and they were going through the house, and they brought in detectives and, I think, dogs, but I don't know. They brought in detectives, and um, they investigated that. And from what I know, they um, they found a shoe in the um, parents' room, in Mr. Moore's and Mrs. Moore's room. And the bodies were clearly moved because there was a shoe full of blood that got tipped over. But by why we think, but what we think is the serial killer who tipped it over by accident when he was moving the bodies um, back to what he wanted the resting position to be. And it was full of blood. And so they were like, okay, so these bodies were clearly moved. That's how they knew. And so then when, then they went down to the children's room. And um, Lena, um, she was positioned in a sexual manner. Um, so her blouse, her nightgown was pulled up um, past her chest, I think past her chest, and um, her undergarments were all taken off. But she didn't look like she were to be touched, um, and she was positioned in a sexual manner. She didn't look like she were to be touched again, and um, it looks like the killer seemed to have a little bit more enjoyment. Um, he sat on a chair at the end of her bed, enjoying himself. Um, before he left. And uh, I didn't get a lot of information on Boyd, nor on Paul. Um, there wasn't a lot of pictures of them, sadly, or a lot of information on them. I'm pretty sure he just killed them and went off and repositioned them all. So with that, let's go to the suspects, because that was a very, very sad tale. Um, suspects. First one, Frank. F. Jones. He was the state senator. Um, the dad, Mr. Moore, worked for him and left the company to go to another company, I think. And Mr. Jones was very upset by that. And rumor has it that Moore had an affair with uh, Mr. Jones' sister-in-law. So, and made Mr. Jones very angry because an affairs happen. Um, and Burns' detective agency openly accused Frank uh, F. Jones and his son, Albert, of hiring William um, 
M. Mansfield to kill um, Joe Joseph Moore. And he was... um, Neither of them were arrested nor detained, and they both denied any association. Um, I don't know how to really feel about him. I don't think they're really, like... um, They really killed the Moore family. I think that... um, It was just... Just a little misunderstanding and rumors happen and sometimes not the whole truth gets told with that one. Um, William Blackie Mansfield. This one's a doozy. Um, So he was arrested in 1916. uh, Killed another family in Aurora, Colorado. Um, He was running from the cops, I'm assuming. Hopped on a train ended up in Iowa four days before the more killings happened. He was later released due to he had an alibi. Um, I feel like, oh, also, he I think he was the guy who also killed um, another family with an axe, but I don't know. I think we're going to get to that other guy. I don't really know. Okay. Reverend George Jacqueline Kenley, arrested in 1917 and was at one of the church's um, children's activity things. Um, He he made a false, well, he made a confession in mockery of the court, in mockery of the law enforcement of this whole thing. Um, That's all information I could really get from him that I felt like that was necessary for this case. Um, The site that I was looking at told me where, like, he was born and all, like, how he became reverend and all that. But it wasn't really related to the case, I would put it. So he was arrested in mockery of the court for this case. Um, So that's fun. Then Lee Henry Moore, he was not related to Joshua Moore as um, we suspect. Um, So he um, had a rough childhood, brothers and sisters, it was rough. And then throughout um, where he went, he I think killed in Kansas, killed a family there, and then ran to Colorado Springs and then I think killed a two-year-old and a mother and a father there, so another family. And then he hopped on a train and made it to Iowa, um, where where they found him. And I don't think he was arrested or detained. That's a fun one. They suspect him because, well... Murders followed him, and I'm pretty sure his weapon of choice was an axe, which fun Z's, right? All right, Andy Sawyer, which is a weird one, but can't really get mad at that. So he was detained June uh, 18th, 1912. 
the June 18th is necessary. Um, he was a crazed murderer. Um, uh, not a crazed murderer, a crazed, he had a crazed mutter and made employer nervous. So his employer was dry, dryer. Uh, so dryer's son, um, was talking with Sawyer and Sawyer was like, Hey, I think I, I saw the murder. I saw the murderer. He lives like a block down. I can show you where if you follow me. You know, he was being really suspicious. And um, the son got really, really like, uh, what? Are you the murderer? You're the murderer. So he got detained. And so he had a craze. So I'm pretty sure if they just listened to him and tried to figure it out from there, it would have led to something more. But you lose some, you win some. And I don't really have a strong opinion on this case. I just thought it was interesting. Okay, last one, which this one was kind of rocky, and I couldn't really, like, have solid ground on this one. Um, Joe Ricks. Um, He was, I think, took in or detained. On June 15th, 1912. Um, he took a train to um, Illinois wearing blood-covered shoes. Little thing, um, if you're going to wear blood-covered shoes, have a good alibi like your butcher. Um, or just not wear blood-covered shoes. But on that note, of course, with this going on, and you arrive in Illinois where this is especially going on, they're going to arrest you because, first of all, you have blood-covered shoes, and that's not really a thing you want to do. Um, I don't think he denied it nor confessed anything involving the case. Um, so that's my take on the Velisca house murders. Um, you can still visit the house today. Um, there's lots of YouTube videos of investigations and of ghost stories. Um, if you want to check it out more, they probably go into a little bit more like theories or details about this. Um, you can, like I said, you can still visit it today. If I said anything wrong or you have more information on it, please try to contact me down in the comments. Um, and thank you for listening again. This is Caught Between the Strings. My name is Sawyer. Thank you for listening.